0: welcome
1: to the next episode of The Prestige, a podcast about films and filmmaking. In each programme we focus on a film, a particular movie of our choice, and then sort of an idea loosely based around that, using this one film to have, jump off and talk about larger ideas.
0: And then after some reviews and discussion, um, we'll finish off with a few recommendations. But first of all, who
1: are we? I'm Rob Mason. Uh, I've spent the last uh, ten years of my life working in the film industry in Britain, uh, working for everything from little, no budget, shot on VHS films, all the way up to multi-million pound blockbusters.
0: And my name's Sam Knowles, and I'm a teacher and writer, writer and teacher, and I write books about books, which Rob finds hilarious.
1: It's the little things, it's the little things. Go on then. So this this week, we are going to be looking at at, uh, Die Hard. Die Hard, the uh, 1980s classic the film that established Bruce Willis in, in the collective consciousness I think um, Sam, your thoughts
0: Yeah, now you were very you were very good to me last week and I didn't entirely like the film that you loved and you were you, were, you were very adult and you dealt with the fact that I didn't like it very well um, I'm afraid I'm not going to be sending the same courtesy to you this week if you don't like Die Hard I will hunt you down and find you <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. That's that's some fervent love there, Sam.
0: Oh god, I love this film. Um so, yes, I don't really know where to start with Die Hard. Um I would start with the music, which is even even the music is a work of genius. Um the uh, the way that music is used the initial meeting between um, John and Harley and Alice, and it segues into um, the the terrorists slash robbers arriving. And it's an inversion of the Beethoven theme that accompanies them. Um, it's just amazing. Ev- everything about this film, which as, well, Rob provides a, a plot synopsis for people every week. I'm not sure people do need a plot synopsis, but let's go for one anyway. Um, Die Hard is about the... Um, the attempts of uh, a current New York cop who's visiting his estranged wife on the west coast of the US and gets embroiled in um, a terrorist, what initially appears to be a terrorist, takeover of the building in which she works and in which there's Christmas party going on. Um, and it's it, if it were not for Die Hard 2, I would say this is the best Christmas film of all
1: time. Um, that's... Just, just are you implying that you think Die Hard 2 is better than Die Hard
0: no I think Die Hard 2 is a better Christmas film than Die Hard fair enough
1: <laughs> I think Die,
0: Die Hard itself is a better film but I think the, the Christmassy elements of Die Hard 2 are just amazing um, But any, anyway Die, Die Hard Rob, Rob your thoughts on Die Hard um,
1: <laughs> you'll be happy to hear I love Die Hard good Die Hard, to me, um, I don't know if, if Sam's the same on this, but I have boxes in my head in which films live. And s- for some films go in the same box together. So, in my head, The Rock and Con Air are in the same box.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Yes. And in that kind of box, I would say, the king of that box is Die Hard. Die Hard is the first action film that I loved. Yes. To me, it, it is... The archetypal action films from which all modern action films flow. Yes, yeah. So I think it is a a great film, and B I think it's a very culturally important film. Um, this is where my, my film degreeness comes out. Um, but I think that it marks a massive turning point in Hollywood and its relation to action films, especially in the eighties. Um, but we will come on to that a bit more in the discussion side of things. But I do th- I, I do think it is. It is perfect. I think that, that almost everybody in this film is perfectly cast. I think Alan Rickman is to this day one of the best bad guys ever. Um, I do think it probably eclipses his his turn in uh, in Robin and Prince of Thieves, which is often well known for the, as a villain. But I think he Hans Grieber is perfect. I think Bruce Willis is perfectly cast in this role. I think his his wife, um, all all the sort of bit parts are right. Mm. Um, there's a little bit of uh, I have a a slight misgiving about the the weird mid film bit where where the cop relates his story of having to shoot a kid. I think that's a low point yeah. in the in the high energies of the film. Yes, um, but I think that when it focuses back on Bruce up in the high rise, I think it is it is as close to a perfect action film as I know until I saw Mad Max.
0: Right. I would I'd agree with you that there is a little bit of a lull around the whole hour and relating his his problems. But I also think that that bit is central to um something we tentatively discussed talking about this week and it was we had we had two ways to go with this and one was the idea of a quintessential action film and the other was the idea of masculinity on film. And I think mm. that sequence between um, John and Al, or Roy and Al, um, is absolutely key to this idea of masculinity. Um, the I, I suppose that there's a lot politically to talk about. And it 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 dates somewhat, um, and the, mm-hmm. the, the the idea of, of killing a kid is is something. Well, I suppose I suppose still uppermost in the American consciousness. The idea of of accidental cop killings is something very American, and it's not something that we can really get our head round
1: to any no to uh, the same degree. I think in in Britain we probably had one of those, and it still has repercussions today. In in recent years, yeah.
0: Um, um I I think though that it's it's very interesting how the re- I, I I think as well as being a, a brilliant action film, the best action film I think. It, the the king of its box as Rob puts it, it's it's a love film, and it's a it's a love film between John McClane and Al, and also between John McClane and the idea of being a policeman or being a hero. Mm. Um, and that that sequence with Al and his his confession about why he's no longer no longer a serving policeman on the beat. Um, is central to this idea of of it being being a love scene between them. And um, I started writing down all the occasions on which McLean calls Al baby or Al says McLean, "Oh, I love you, Roy." And I just yes. stopped writing them down because there are so many of them. Um,
1: I think there's a modern day echoing of that in in Hot Fuzz, yes. In which, yeah. in, in, infamously, there was a love a love interest for Simon Pegg's character, which they decided to cut. And they just literally gave her lines, lock, stock and barrel, uh, to Nick Frost. Which
0: makes it much better as a film. Yes.
1: The, 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 I mean, I hate to use the phrase bromance because I think it's awful. Um, but that kind of masculine affection. Um, and, I, and as I mentioned earlier, I think this is one of the reasons in which I think this is a very culturally important film. You remember the film came out in 88. And the 80s action films are renowned for Schwarzenegger, Stallone, Van Damme. That the, they are renowned for these films of larger than life. It's it's kind of known as the hard body era. Yeah. In which all our heroes are these perfect physical specimens. They are almost superheroes. Um, infamous. Going kind of back the 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 build they have, and they into this comes. Bruce Willis, the 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 sort of everyman. To this day, he plays off playing the everyman. And he is broken. He is battered. He is shot. His feet bleed. He makes mistakes. Uh, He's in love with his wife, and she does not love him back. Um, he's very much this working class hero, Hmm. and I think that led to a sea change in a lot of the films. I mean, we talk about uh, earlier about um, Con Air. Um, and the Rock, but both of those films. I mean, The Rock is a great example. Nick Cage, who is the hero of the film, is not the action star. Sean Connery is the action star. Nick Cage is a scientist who bumbles through most things. Yes, uh, I think that, that there's a very interesting switch in what I call fil- filmic masculinity mm. um, at this turning point in the late '80s, when we went from having the the untouchable always gets the girl. Steven Segal, body, into someone a bit more relatable, and even you can see the echoes these days in the in the Marvel films. Even someone like Captain America, who is you know physically a, a, almost a perfect specimen, shall we say, but he's very much tinged with a pathos and an everyman quality, and that's where I think we we sort of have moved on. And I think that's why this film is so culturally important.
0: Yeah, I mean. Uh, and a, a film from earlier in the 80s if they made a Captain America film in 84 for instance you'd never have the before bit you'd never have a no. weedy Captain America um, but there's, there's certainly think... something to his character there's, there's a reminder of where he comes from throughout that
1: and I think that there's a there's more than moving beyond just Bruce Willis there's some interesting as you mentioned masculinity on display You've got uh, Hans Gruber, mm. who is very much subverting traditional masculinity. He's almost play, much more playing along the feminist, f- f- feminine even, feminine sort of way of talking, way of acting. He's a lot softer. He's obviously the bad guy, but he's a lot softer. He's a lot more um, sort of feminine in his approach. If you look at the bad guys, you've got the, I can't remember his name, but the guy who sits on the front desk, in my mind I always call him the cowboy. Yes, yeah, and he—he he is almost he is almost the iconic American badass. He is—he's voice tracking, but he's basically the lowest of the low in the in the bad guys. He sits on the front desk, and I think there's an interesting idea around that that this almost the cowboy, which is a symbol of American manhood, becomes the running boy of this basically Euro trash villain. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it also, I also can't, I can't remember his name, uh, but the. The yuppie. Um Ellis. Ellis. Um who screws up so so massively and gets shot because of it. Spoilers. Um I don't he think as he spoilers it... when he's
0: twenty six years
1: old. I think I agree, I agree. But uh, um I think that he almost represents a lot of the eighties, that kind of, you know, Wall Street um greed of the eighties and the abject failure of his plan versus the success of the McLean plan. I think there's an interesting ideas there about 80s and what it is to be a man. If you see what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. the um, An interesting thing I came across when reading up on the trivia behind this film because I'm really cool uh, was <laughs> that the scene with um, Ellis and Hans Gruber where Ellis ends up spoiler alert, being shot um, Ellis comes in the room as if he knows Hans pretending to know Hans and says Hans, Bobby. Um and Alan Rickman did not know he was going to do that and the look of surprise on his face and mild disgust is genuinely Alan Rickman saying what the hell is this, this person doing going off script uh, hmm. so I, I quite like that and they the, um, it, it's not I suppose it's not not strictly a masculinity thing but in general the way that this film plays with expectations um, so there, there's something like that where, where someone goes off scripts and they're happy to leave it in because it got their reaction um, Alan Rickman being oh, another spoiler alert Alan Rickman gets dropped off the skyscraper at the end um, but he was famously dropped by a stuntman on the count of 2 so that the look of surprise is genuine because he was waiting for 3 um mm. so throughout this you've got this this film doing things with with the genre that, that aren't the not the conventional
1: I think there's also um a, a note around that with the whole the twist in the film that they aren't terrorists and they're actually just robbing it yes that up until you know, the 80s especially sort of the the cold war and post cold war era america and hollywood are used to clear-cut bad guys they are terrorists bad guys and obviously as thieves they're still bad guys um and murder is still bad guys but there's that, that muddying of the waters um that i think the, the 80s period certainly helped i think that just to take it even a little bit wider than masculinity i think the film says a lot about america um, and American psyche in the late eighties. Mm.
0: I was just thinking when you were talking about that, the um, Johnson Johnson in the helicopter just before they get blown up. It's so many spoilers here, um, but it, <laughs> it's die hard. People have seen it. <laughs> so when when John when one of the Johnsons says to another FBI agent, this is this is like you know, he says it's like Hanoi or. He um, gives another 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 name for far eastern city. Makes it clear that he's been in he's been in the U.S. military and he's he's been in Vietnam and he, he's had that experience. And the and the other the the other FBI agent says I was in junior high and then 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 caps it off with with some um, vulgarized insult directed at this guy. But there's a sense in which this whole film is saying. I was in junior eye asshole to to the the whole to to the idea of convention. So yes. the uh, action films would have said, "Yeah, this this is like Vietnam. We're going to be all apocalypse now. We're going to fly in with helicopter gunships, and we we're going to pop a cap in them." And then this whole film is saying, "Well, actually, let's be realistic. Nobody knows what Vietnam was like, and most people growing up at this point." Are more likely to have been in junior high at the time than necessarily experiencing the experiencing war war on in Vietnam.
1: I, I would almost take it further than that and say that I think this film's a a direct um, refusal of that ideal. I think if you obviously if you think about the eighties, you've got the beginning of outsourcing to China. You've got a lot of traditional uh, the American itself image of of the. Um, sort of the industrial nation is breaking down, and i think it 's telling that this pla it happens at um Megatomy plaza you know it happens at a japanese company yeah um you 've got his his wife who 's chosen career over him um and go, gone off to um LA to do it. So the setup's very eighties in, you know, this high rise, you've got international companies, you've got uh sort of the the um, women's um sort of rights movement and sort of the rise of the office bitch in a better want a better word. Um and all of that comes to nothing until the working class hero turns up to save everything. Yeah. And I think this film is very much a rejection of a lot of eighties Sort of ideas that you know that American self-image post Vietnam post Nixon is breaking down, and they don't know who they are anymore because a lot of what they stood on is is moving under them. You've got the rise of Europe. Um, you've got the sort of, say the destruction of these old ideals about what it is to be a man, to be American, to be America. Mm, yeah. And this film very much whether we want to agree with it, its well it, it, it's its premise or not, it's almost a rejection of that, and going back down to America we're working class it's the American dream with guns, but it's about that one man in the face of obstacles beyond measure putting pushing through one by one building up to winning basically
0: yes, and there's there's almost that all too to, to go back to man Max last week, there was a moment in Man Max where you thought really. They they're gonna do that. I mean, I'm generally avoiding spoilers, but there is a moment towards the I suppose the third act of this film where they make a decision that they're gonna go and do something, and you think that's not gonna be possible. Like, how is it possible that they, that anyone is ever gonna manage that? And that that mm-hmm. that is something that you can trace back to Die Hard when, as you said, this this all American hero and says against all odds, I'm gonna do this because it has to be done. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, I think there's a sense of a sense of duty, and and it is as I say it is noticeable. I'll just go back to this point that the bad guy, aside from Hans Gruber, the bad guys in this film are the media, mm. yeah, are the FBI, are yuppies. Uh, these are big things that have been sort of they triumphed in the last, in the ten years prior to this film, um, and. It's almost say the, the, the idea of true grit, that the playbook that the CIA have and FBI have doesn't work, um, and the the slimy backs the slimy kind of Ellis doesn't work, and the invasive TV doesn't work. The one thing that works is this sort of true grit manhood, and I think that I I, I kind of have the sort of the scales of this film, I and mean, I love the film, but some of the theory behind it. I do think it can be a bit kind of yeah, America, you pick a motherfucker, kind of American, while at the same time subverting that quite a lot. Hmm. And I do think there is a lot of value in the idea of this masculine character um, who breaks down some of the traditional roles. But I do think there are still some problematic elements of him. Very much, he doesn't like his wife working. He doesn't like his wife having her identity aside from his own. There are some troublesome bits. Um, and obviously, it is, it is a film that's solved by shooting people in the face. Um, but I do think it's noticeable that the very last confrontation between him and Hans Gruber, he outwits Gruber. Yes. And the early the earlier interaction when he 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 meets Hans Gruber and Hans Gruber tends to be a, tends to be a, a hostage, he outthinks him. So I think that there is a an element of I suppose subversion of that trope. If you look at things like. Um, any Schwarzenegger film they essentially are being solved by being shot in the face yeah and I think as we mentioned in the Avengers episode there are problems in those films about everything solved by hitting it hard in Die Hard he solves these two situations by just being smarter yes and it's 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 street smarts rather than sort of book smarts for want of a better word hmm but I think there is there is value in that
0: yes yeah. Yeah. Also, just to to go by, to to bulk up the idea that this is a Christmas film, and people are probably shaking their heads over this, but the the Mong, the the way in which he tricks Hans Gruber is by celebrating gun to his back, and he does that because he sees a load of Christmas wrapping being left out, and there is a Jingle Bells theme playing when he has this realization. So. Christmas saves the day. In this, this, this is my point. This, I'm not going and saying this is a Christmas film. Just, just to get back to that.
1: I, 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 see, I, I would say it's a Christmas film. I, I, I would hand hand the heart to this is a Christmas film. It's said at, C- at Christmas. You know, it's about overcoming odds. There, there is a a family storyline. Um, I, 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 I would say that it would come under the uh, the Christmas film. Oh yeah. Um, he- heading.
0: Oh, and I know. You, I know you're on board. I know you're insane too. I just want to try and persuade other people. <laughs> um, I have. I have something before we get to recommendations, which we should do as always at the end. Um, I've got. I've got a mini quiz for you. Uh, Die how quiz. I want to see see how much you know about it. This um, is going to be embarrassing. Yeah. Okay. So, um, for, first actor. Who was the first actor slated to play John McClane? For contractual reasons, and I'm going to say Mel Gibson. Um, you can have you can have half a point because Mel Gibson was on the list, um, but it's uh, not right. it's not Mel Gibson, uh, it's not Harrison Ford who is also on the list. Um, these names also turned also turned it down before Bruce Willis took it on. Richard Gere, Burt Reynolds, Sylvester Stallone, Michael Madsen, and Arnold Schwarzenegger will turn it down but it was first offered to a 73-year-old Frank Sinatra
1: because he amazing.
0: He had played the same character in a film in the late 60s though. David Cuz it is originally based on a book. Mm. Yeah, that um, that was it. Then they made a they made a film of the prequel book with Sinatra yeah. in it and then like 20 years later they had to offer him the role.
1: And I think that's almost a testament to Willis. Yes. Uh, because almost everyone else on that list is, is built on the old archetypes of a, superhero, of a superhero action star. And Schwarzenegger in this film would not have been the same film. No. Uh, and I think that Bruce Willis brings a lot to that role, I suppose.
0: Yes, yeah. I think well, Sinatra aside, and that's a bit of a curveball based on contractual reasons, but all the others definitely are our hard men are big action heroes, like you said. Mm. Okay, right, right. Sec- second, which architect designed the bridge? There's a mod- model of a bridge in Takagi's office. Which architect designed
1: that? Um, I'm gonna go with uh, Lloyd Wright, uh, as he's the only architect, the only architect I know. Well
0: don't don't spoil it by saying that afterwards. You just got the right answer. Um hey! and, <laughs> and finally, um, there's the moment at the end when Al shoots Carl, um and there's there's particularly stirring music scoring that moment and it was originally intended for another eighties blockbuster released by Fox. And what was that film?
1: Um I don't know. Eight nineteen
0: eighty six Big Fox film
1: I I'm, I'm racking my brains for uh oh um Top Gun. No, no, later than that. The, the, the eight, Top Gun eighty six. Oh sorry, I thought it was eighty five. Um
0: no, okay, I'll I'll leave leave that hanging and uh people can Um eighty six.
1: Something eighty six eighty six is Platoon? No. Complete. Aliens. Aliens is the right answer. Oh, there we go. I get there eventually. Eventually. Yes. <laughs> Good. <sighs> right. So we cool. we shall we oh. shall move on to after. Before we get into in, into a little um the recommendations, I've got one little bit of trivia. Okay. Uh, that means nothing to anyone else but me and probably Sam. Okay. At my wedding, uh my wife walked into the chapel to a certain piece of music, a certain piece of music that is picked entirely. Because it is in Die Hard. <laughs> uh, the scene when uh, they finally open the safe. Yes. Um, and uh, they play Ode to Joy. Yes. The big reveal, big glory moment. Uh, and my wife likes Die Hard so much that that was the song chosen to for when he entered the church. For that very reason.
0: And when I said at the beginning of the podcast that if Rob didn't like it, I would hunt him down. I wouldn't need to. I'd just phone his wife.
1: Yeah, she would kill me.
0: <laughs>
1: right, recommendations. You, you go first. Recommendations. This week. Uh, oh, I'm going to go uh, a little bit kind of weird on my last one, and I'm going to recommend a good day to die hard, <laughs> which I believe is either the fourth or fifth Die Hard, oh, God. and it's set in, set in Russia, <laughs> uh, and it's about John McClane going to rescue his son. Is and it's terrible.
0: It's terrible.
1: It's utterly, utterly terrible. Um, it is, it it basically pisses on any legacy of Die Hard. Um, I would even say it pisses on the legacy of the first three films. The fourth one is equally terrible. The fifth is archetypally bad, and I think it's worth watching because if you like films and you're interested in ideas around films, the interplay between those two and the comparison between Die Hard and Die Hard, the Good Day to Die Hard is interesting because it shows how, over time, they've managed to take John McClane as everyman hero and turn him into the 80s superhero. Hmm. hero. He is invincible. He can take down fighter jets. He, He is... Everything that John McClane was against in the first film, he has become by the fifth film. Right, yeah. And I think it's interesting to look at that same character in almost the same world... And if you can identify the ways in which they've changed the, the, the mythos and they've changed the way they've shot it and the stories they tell, that's a very sort of almost like a film school way of looking at how to not do this kind of story.
0: Okay. Do you, do you have any recommendations for good films this week?
1: Uh, <laughs> um, the recommendation I would give um, for a good film uh, would be uh, Con Air. Okay. I it obviously is a classic, and most people have seen it. Um, but it's 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 slightly more pantomime cartoon than Die Hard, but it is in that same box of an everyman overcoming um, a lot of obstacles to get to his family. Hmm. Good. Um, my recommendations this
0: week. Um, the fir- first of these, I suppose, the the more um, action related one of these is a film from the mid nineties. Starring uh, another man who turned down the role of John McClane. Actually, he wasn't on that list. I gave Robert De Niro and Al Pacino um, as um, thief and detective. And there's a similar sequence in which the um, the bad guy and the the hero meet up and chat, mm. similar to uh, Bruce Willis and Alan Rickman in this. Um, is Heat. Um, and I would recommend that. Um not only for the 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 sort of the thrilling elements of it, um the the way it's shot. It's very brooding, it's very um I suppose the nearest thing to it would be LA Confidential in terms of a, yes. sort of later film noir. Um, but it's also got that scene in which these two characters reveal human sides of themselves. And I think that is one of the legacies of that um, McLean-Gruber relationship in Die Hard. Um, and the other one is... Um, well, you you came up with, with the TV series a couple of weeks ago, so I'm going to do the same thing. Um, so it's not a film. It's, it's the TV series for which Bruce Willis was most famous. Um, and I I looked at it on YouTube because I was intrigued Um, it's a a TV series called Moonlighting about um, a a detective agency private eye agency Um, it stars Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard and it's really good he's a really good actor and that's something that gets forgotten certainly by Mm. the fifth Die Hard film when it's all about him being an action hero but he is really good, and this series Moonlighting, which um, he was doing as as he filmed the first I Heart in the late eighties, um, reveals that that side of Bruce Willis, who's who's really good, It's not something that that everyone remembers about him.
1: No, having listened to your recommendations, I'm actually going to throw a, a cheeky third one in, Go for um, it. which is a film called Ronin. Okay, yes, now, Ronin. Uh, Ronin is. Um, is De Niro starring? I think um, so, yeah. Yeah, so a, for, for Ronin um is a Rob De Niro film, uh and it's about an ex CIA uh, agent who is now a, a gun for hire, a Ronin essentially, um trying to steal things. It is as as Sam said, it's kind of it plays with that um humanizing element. Uh, you've got Robert De Niro he starts off very hardcore sort of business, 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 and ends up with an emotional connection to one of his other um, colleagues, and it's an amazing action film on top of it. I mean, that's one thing that we haven't mentioned a lot about in this film, is that aside from all the analysts and all the sort of fear around it, it's a great fun film. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and Ronin is the same. It is an amazingly well shot pretty its car chases, amazing action film, but it certainly has the heart and has more of a, a suppose, 3D characters than you'd expect from this kind of film.
0: Great, well we've we've witted on far too long about that action films um, and other things to do with that so we should probably end there and uh, do get in touch with us, we're on Twitter at Prestige Podcast and I'm on Twitter
1: at Life Academic and I'm on Twitter at Kaiju Industries and we will see you guys next week Bye